This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The Golden Edge Podcast is sponsored by SDN Sports from Station Casinos. SDN Sports is the only sports betting app you need this season. Sign up today and get a new sign-up bonus of up to $50. Hey, guys. I'm 6'5", and so sometimes it's hard for me to find clothes that fit just right. That's why I love Indochino. Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. They make suits, shirts, coats, and more. And everything is made to your exact measurements for a great fit. Indochino's process is simple. Choose your fabric, pick your customizations, and submit your measurements. Your package will be delivered straight to your door in two weeks. You can get measured and design your suit at your nearest Indochino showroom or do it all yourself online at Indochino.com. Right now, you can get $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com when entering Blue Wire at checkout. Plus, shipping is free. That's Indochino.com promo code BLUEWIRE for $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more. Incredible deal for made-to-measure clothing. You really have no excuse anymore to wear clothing that doesn't fit. What is up, hockey fans? This is the Golden Edge Podcast, the podcast where the Las Vegas Review Journal talks about hockey and the Golden Knights. I am Ben Goats, one of your Review Journal beat writers. On the line with me from lovely, scenic December, New Jersey, is Dave Shane. Dave, how you doing, man? Awesome. Awesome. It's, you know, East Coast. How can you not be great? Yeah, I'm sure it's just as lovely as the weather here because it's deciding to rain in Las yeah. Vegas. Well, let's just say the weather here hasn't exactly been uh been pleasant. <laughs> Had my first experience with sleet. That was uh that was something I don't really need to deal with again. Well, that is not fun. I tell you what is fun though. Uh STN Sports Mobile from Station Casinos, they of course are the sponsor of the Golden Edge podcast. We are also, of course, brought to you by the Las Vegas Review Journal. Make sure to check out all our stuff at reviewjournal.com. Dave has had some great stories from the East Coast road trip, including a good one this morning on one Malcolm Subban who was playing really well recently. But we're going to get into this, Dave. All of the Golden Knights are pretty much playing well right now. Uh, since we last podcasted, they have gone on a four-game winning streak uh, after we kind of just dunked on them for about a half hour. They have really set out to prove us wrong. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's crazy. Like, the one goal changes everything, right? Max Pacioretty scores, and they're able to get the two points in overtime, and it just seemed to be exactly what they needed. It was like the spark that they've been waiting for kind of, you know, the first 20-something games. They finally got it, and I think the biggest thing more than anything is just they've been able to build on it. There's been points, you know, we've talked about this kind of endlessly. There's been points early in the season where, 
you feel like, okay, maybe this is the turning point. And then, you know, they just kind of, you know, don't, don't run with it. At least this time they've, they've built on it. They've gained momentum and they seem to be in a good place. It's a, it, I mean, the locker room, the atmosphere around the team is completely different night and day, 180 degree turn. Yeah, that goal, as you mentioned, uh, and to quote the lovely Poe Dameron from Star Wars, that is the spark that will light the fire that will burn, I guess, not the First Order, but in this case, uh, the Golden Knights season down in a good way this time to get back to that goal specifically. So we recorded on Tuesday. Wednesday, the Golden Knights are playing in Nashville, obviously a really tough arena to play. They're down 3-2 late in the game. The Predators do a really good job getting a go-ahead goal early in the third period, and they basically just sit on the lead the entire third. They play really good structured defensive hockey. The Golden Knights had a late power play, didn't get any shots, and so the Predators look like they're in cruise control mode. The Golden Knights go to six on five. The Predators throw the puck the other way with about like a little bit more than 15 seconds left. Jonathan Marchessault gets it, skates it up, gets it to the blue line of the offensive zone, chips it in, goes after it himself, Creates a turnover behind the net. Riley Smith picks it up, passes to Mark Stone, who fires a no-look pass to Max Pacioretty. Pacioretty ties the game with 0.3 seconds left in the game. The Predators were just absolutely stunned. The home crowd at Bridgestone Arena was absolutely crushed. I mean, you could see it. And the Golden Knights, of course, you said, I mean, built off it right away because they got an overtime winner from Paul Stasny. Nate Schmidt had a great takeaway in the defensive zone skated the other way set up Paul Stastny for the game winner and yeah then the Knights have built off it like I said that was the first of four straight wins for them it's their longest win streak of the season they hadn't even won three straight before that so it just felt like as you said everything that was going wrong for the Knights and kind of piling up piling up now everything's going right for them the opposite way and it's all kind of because that moment that just seemed to breathe so much confidence into this team yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy how a season swings like that, right? I mean, just the ups and downs and, and the, the twists and turns and things. I mean, you know, we're talking about this. And, I, I mean, look, you were there. I, I don't know how you feel about this, but I don't – the funny thing is, like, I don't even feel like the Knights won that game. I feel like the Predators gave it away. Like, the Knights didn't do anything hardly for 19 minutes, like you kind of mentioned. They had, like, seven shots on goal until like the last minute and then just kind of made a barrage and took advantage of him. Who's, I mean, at least for, for me kind of having a, a brain cramp or something like, I don't know what he was doing in the last 10 seconds. Yeah. He I, think I he really was trying know, to but, trap the puck in the corner and it just did not go well. Right. Which now credit to March. So for, for the four check and credit, you know, it's all those guys for, you know, making the play and, and taking advantage of it. But yeah, I mean, it's just, it's crazy. I mean, if, if that doesn't happen, if the, the time isn't put back on the clock earlier and, you know, all the, the sort of butterfly effect things that, that we can talk about. But the reality is they got the win. And, and like we've just been talking about, they used it. They hadn't been able to use any of that stuff earlier, the Anaheim game, and then they fall on their face right after that. You know, all these, like I said, all these other points in, in the season, they haven't been able to, and take it and run. And right now they're running with it. They're what, 15, 11, and four, which I mean, we can argue about what's 500 and whether that's over 500, at 500, you know, whatever. But, you know, they're in a good spot right now. They're, you know, they're gaining ground in the Pacific Division because all these other teams in the Pacific are kind of playing each other. Um, and, and the other thing, too, I, I just think 
I mean, they, you know, just to go back to Monday a little bit, you know, the Rangers are playing really well. I, I mean, they were like four zero and one. It was like ten two and four in their last sixteen or something like that. They just got Zabanajad back. I, I mean, like for them to go in there and basically for seven minutes in the first period just completely overwhelm the Rangers, uh, get a two nothing lead, and then and you know not sit on it but kind of ride it out. I mean that that to me was was maybe the most important game on this road trip at least because it sets the tone. You know they got the two points in New Jersey and and right now there's four points out of out of potentially six regardless of what happens you know on the island tomorrow. So the, you know everything is just kind of going right now. I think the way that everybody thought it would from the start of the season. It's just something about December I guess with these guys. I mean the last couple of years they're. I think I added up. It's like twenty-four and four, something like that. It was it's like eleven, one and one the first year, nine, three and three last year in December. It just seems like this time of the year. I don't know the snow, the cold weather, or something. Something gets them going. Yeah, it's crazy how that's worked out all three seasons so far. And so you mentioned it. The Knights used that four-three overtime win over the Predators. They beat the Arizona Coyotes at home 2-1 in a shootout. Then they go to New York. They win 4-1 at Madison Square Garden. And then last night, they win 4-3 at Prudential Center over the New Jersey Devils, who were breaking in a new coach after firing their coach before the game, about uh, two and a half hours before puck drop, which was a fascinating uh, scenario. Uh, but one thing I want to mention that was key in all of these wins is Malcolm Subban. The Golden Knights' backup goaltender has been called upon for uh, actually five straight games now because Mark andre Fleury had to leave the team because of a family situation. His father, Andre Fleury, passed away a week ago last Wednesday. Obviously, our condolences go out to the Fleury family. Uh, but Malcolm Subban has really stepped up in his absence. That win over the Nashville Predators was Subban's first win of the season. And you could just tell in the locker room postgame how much that meant to him to kind of get the monkey off his back. I mean, he was grinning just so, so wide. And he talked about how you know, in overtime, he was basically like blacked out because he was just so excited about the team's comeback win over the Predators. And then the last three games, he's played really, really well. The last three games, he has a 950 save percentage. He saved 96 of 101 shots. And this is the Malcolm Subban the Golden Knights need because, you know, obviously, regardless of the Flurry's current absence, Flurry's an older goaltender who the Knights are going to need to rest a little bit more now that he's 35. He recently had a birthday. And so if Malcolm Subban can give you these types of performances, I mean, that's exactly what the Golden Knights need from their backup goaltender position. Yeah, I mean, if, you know, all his critics and everybody's kind of questioned whether the Golden Knights need to go get a, a goaltender and all that sort of stuff, I throw it out the window, like, you know, based on this last week, like he's shown what he can do. He's shown that, that if the Knights, you know, are confident and they show faith in him, that he's he's going to reward them. I mean, I think part of it is just as much as he's played, it's five games in nine days, and and we'll see what happens with Flurry and if he's able to come back uh, on the road trip. Gerard Gallant both said that they expect him to join the team at some point on the road trip, but they've also kind of couched that a little bit and said they're not entirely sure. We'll see, kind of, you know. So maybe he's there today. Maybe you know the the team is off today, Wednesday. Uh, maybe he's there for the morning skate tomorrow for the game. I don't know if they'll play. Uh, that might be a tough ask, but at least with Garrett Sparks going down yesterday, that's a sign maybe that, that Mark andre Fleury could come back. But, you know, I mean, we've talked about this again. The Knights have been very open about their plans to reduce Fleury's workload. And, 
part of that is going to be predicated on Malcolm Subban, you know, giving them quality starts and, and being productive. And, and for the last week plus, that's, that's exactly what he's done. And he's been good. And, and this is the other thing too, though, and because he's mentioned this a lot, and I think we need to talk about this, is the changes that they've made in their defensive system. Because what we're seeing right now is that Malcolm Subban is getting a lot of shots from the outside, from the perimeter, much easier saves for him to make. And, it, and it's something that he's talked about, how well they're playing in front of him, how much the system kind of helps him out in terms of where the shots are coming from versus, you know, maybe the chances that he was seeing before. Yeah, totally. We can get into that. The Knights made a small tweak in their defensive zone before the game against the Predators. And I just want to quick small mention... Tweet. Small tweak. Small tweak. You said like, like, like Jared Galant. I was about to bring I'm up... Gonna... I'm quoting him exactly because that's what he has been yeah. trying to emphasize that we haven't, you know, completely overhauled our defensive zone coverage, which... All right, no, whatever, guy. They've overhauled it. They've overhauled it. I don't, he wants to downplay it. It is a 180-degree change. You cannot go from man coverage to zone coverage and say that's a small tweak. Yes. That is like the furthest away you can go. But anyway, go ahead. Go ahead. I'll let you go. Yeah, we'll quick get into it. I just want to finish up the point on Subban. One, I think playing regularly has helped him a lot because I will bring up, I mean, on this podcast, we've talked about whether they need to look at backup goaltender. Well, he... Now that he's getting regular playing time, and we can argue whether five straight starts is maybe too regular of playing time, including a back-to-back Monday and Tuesday. But he's clearly in a rhythm right now, and that's clearly helping him a lot too. Uh, before the Predators game, he had a 3.55 goals against average and an 8.83 save percentage. Those numbers are up to a 2.86 GAA and a 9.09 save percentage. So big improvements for Malcolm Subban. As you mentioned, in large part because of the defensive zone coverage changes. We're going to talk about those right after some quick messages. Hey, are you looking for a great gift for someone in your life? I mean, most of the time, us guys get pretty cliche gifts for Christmas, like socks, wallets, ties. I got a lot of ties. But Harry's is a gift that's both thoughtful and practical. Listeners of this show can get $5 off any Harry's shave set by heading to harrys.com slash bluewire. Free shipping ends on December 16th, so act now. I mean, it's a perfect gift idea for guys. Holiday sets start at just $20, which is within Secret Santa limits, and Harry's blade refills are as low as $2 each. It comes ready to gift in a handsome holiday gift box, and your gift gives back. 1% of each sale is donated to charitable organizations. As a special offer for fans of this show, we've partnered with Harry's to give you $5 off any shave set, including their limited edition holiday sets, when you go to harrys.com slash bluewire. Plus, you'll get free shipping. Each Harry's shaving set comes with a weighted handle, a five-blade razor cartridges, foaming shave gel for a rich lather, travel cover to protect your blades, and it's packaged in a handsome holiday gift box. Free shipping ends on December 16th, so act now. Just go to harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire. Hey guys, are you a business owner faced with the holiday rush? I mean, you have to be able to ship out orders quickly, efficiently, and affordably. But how do you keep track of all those orders, decide which shipping carrier to use, or if you're getting the best rates? Luckily, ShipStation can help. With just a few clicks, you'll be managing orders, printing labels, and getting those products out the door and delivered in time for the holidays. ShipStation works with all of the major carriers, including the USPS, FedEx, and UPS. So you can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you 
and your customer. No wonder ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers. You'll ship more in less time with the best rates available. Take the hassle out of holiday shopping this year. Let ShipStation help you handle it all with ease. Just use my offer code BLUE to get a 60-day free trial. That's two months free of no-hassle, stress-free holiday shipping. Just visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the page, and type in BLUE. That's ShipStation.com, enter offer code BLUE. ShipStation, make ship happen. All right, we're back. And before we took that quick break, we were talking about the Knights' changes in their defensive zone coverage. So the Knights primarily for their first, you know, two years and, you know, 20 plus games have been a man to man team. Everyone's got a guy in the defensive zone. Well, now they've really switched up to kind of a zone scheme where, as uh, John Merrill kind of termed it before the Coyotes game, they want to protect the good ice, which is, you know, the slot in front of the net and kind of give up more of the quote unquote bad ice, which is outside of the faceoff circles, the edges of the defensive zone. The Golden Knights have kind of felt that they're giving up too many chances in the slot right in front of the net, too many kind of quality, high danger looks for their opponents. And they've been maybe, I guess, too good at pressuring the outside. So now they're flipping that. Goaltenders are seeing more shots from the outside. They're not seeing as many shots right in front. And it seems to have helped their defense a lot, Dave. Yeah, it's it, it's a big change. First off, let me, let me say I want to give Jared Galan a lot of credit because, you know, I mean, let's put this in terms of like as a basketball coach, if, if you're like, you know, exclusively a man-to-man coach and you recognize, you know, hey, this isn't working for us. We need to change something. And, and you're able to go to his own. I mean, in, in some regard, that's essentially what he's done. It's some, you know, Jared Galan had put that system in from day one. It's something that he's always coached. And I think in discussion, you know, with management and coaching staff and whatever, they just, like you said, they realize they're giving up too many chances in certain areas. Teams were exploiting certain things. The the one goal that really jumped out to me in terms of, of that was against Edmonton. Um, it was a goal that Ethan Bear scored, but what happened on the play was instead of a defenseman, I think it was Nate Schmidt who was in front of the net. Instead of Nate Schmidt being able to pick up Leon Dreisaitl, Mark Stone ended up picking him up and then kind of that became his man. And so Mark Stone followed dry subtle as he went around behind the net and kind of along the left wing. And, and Nate Schmidt, what ended up happening is he was kind of stranded in front of the net, didn't have anybody to cover and was kind of late when dry made that great backhand out to bear the point. And Schmidt tried to get out there, but, but essentially that's kind of what's happening is plays like that. And then plays where, the defenseman would have to follow somebody and they would get dragged all the way out toward the blue line. And it would leave basically all three forwards to cover down low. And that's not, you know, the strength obviously of the forward is, you know, covering the front of that and, and doing those sorts of things. That's what defensemen do. So in that regard, I think it's helped. But what's interesting to me also is just more so the acknowledgement that it's kind of a trend in the NHL. You look around and, and Jared Glant talked about the Islanders and we'll see them on Thursday. Um, you know, some other teams have, have gone to or use a very similar system. It, you know, restricts team chances. It keeps the games, you know, in theory, lower scoring and, and things like that. From that perspective, I think, and this is something that I've talked about in terms of, you know, the Knights, I guess, quote unquote, process or style of play, game plan, you know, whatever kind of buzzword you want to put on it. 
that I think their best chance to win is playing those types of games, not getting into, you know, run and gun kind of fire wagon hockey. So for them to kind of make this change and acknowledge, hey, this is what we think is going to be best for us. It's going to help our goalies. It's going to save some energy. We're not chasing around the defensive zone. We think we're going to be in a better position once we get the puck to then break out because as we've talked about extensively, the breakouts have been an issue all year. And I don't think it's been as much the last few games. I think that's really helped too. So, I mean, it's interesting. It's kind of one of those things that you look at it with a few games of hindsight and you're like, well, well, yeah, it seems perfect. Why, why wouldn't you have gone to this before? And I know it's not that easy, but I really do think, you know, once they were able to kind of look at personnel, look at what they have, what they need to do to be successful. I mean, I applaud them for, for making the change in that sense. Yeah, I mean, you look at their personnel, especially on the blue line, it's not like they're the most fleet of foot on the blue line, so it might have not been the best idea to have guys like Derek England, you know, John Merrill to a lesser extent, uh, even Nick Holden, who's a fine skater, but like those aren't necessarily guys you want running all around the defensive zone. And yeah, to those people who ask like, well, why haven't they made this switch sooner? This sounds like a no-brainer. I mean, the one thing that you have to keep in mind is with this kind of zone look, they are giving up parts of the ice that they potentially weren't before. They are giving up stuff to the outside, which means that they're going to face potentially a couple more shots from the outside. That means it's really important that Malcolm Subban, Marc-Andre Fleury, whoever is in net, does a really good job controlling their rebounds. That was something that Malcolm Subban mentioned after the Arizona Coyotes game where he overall played really well, but he's like, I need to be better with my rebounds. You know, basically you can't let, if you're a Golden Knights goaltender, one of those bad shots from the outside turn into a really good shot because you give up a rebound in the slot and an opposing player is right there. So those are the kind of drawbacks as you potentially could allow more shots and then you need to clean up the rebounds. But so far through these first couple games, the Golden Knights have done a good job clearing out rebounds in front of their goaltenders and Malcolm Subban's playing well. So it kind of hasn't been a big issue. And you talk about them kind of almost being like the Islanders. Uh, it certainly worked for the Islanders. They are third in goals against per game at 2.42. Barry Trotz, at least in my opinion, is the favorite to win his second straight Jack Adams Award for best coach because he's getting I mean, absolutely the most out of that roster that you possibly can. And as you mentioned, I just think stylistically, if the Knights want to be more of a grinded out team, this is what's going to work for them. Absolutely. I mean, I just, you know, like I said, it, it just it fits who they are right now. You know, the reality of the situation is they are not the same team that they were two years ago. That that, that kind of go, 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 you know, fast pace and things. I mean, it's not to say that they're a slow team or anything like that now, but I just don't think that that style two years ago is best suited for this team. So if that's the case, you know, they recognize that they seem to have adjusted. And, you know, it's interesting because it's interesting how, how quickly everybody seems to adapt into it, I guess, more than anything. You know, you hear somebody like, I'll even, this may be a little transition here, uh, newly acquired Chandler Stevenson, when he was asked about the system, he said it's, well, he said 360 degrees. I, he meant 180 degrees. But, I mean, essentially Washington doing the same thing with the man coverage, and then he comes over here and has to do his own. He has a couple video sessions, you know, basically jumps right out there and whatever. So just the fact that, you know, you've got a rookie defenseman, Nick Haig back there, you know, you've got a rookie forward, you know, in Cody Glass, you've got some guys who maybe, you know, in their career haven't necessarily played it. And they've done a good job adapting. I mean, they give up what, you know, 
the three goals in Nashville, but I think they were still working out a couple of the Kings. They give up one goal against Arizona, one goal against the Rangers. You know, it was three last night, but, you know, what one of them is a breakaway. The, the Houston goal is kind of off the rush. Um, you know, we haven't seen that, that you know, in-zone teams kind of running, you know, running the Knights around and, and creating chances that way. So, you know, going forward, I think that's the way that they want to play and, and they feel good about, you know, where they're at with everything. Yeah, Nashville, obviously, I think was a trial by fire because you've got, you know, Roman Yossi, who, I mean, might be a Norris finalist at this point, and Ryan Ellis, two really good defensemen for the Predators who aren't afraid to kind of go wherever in the offensive zone. So we saw specifically on one of the Predators goals where uh, Nick Hag and Mark Stone were kind of like, which one of us is picking up Roman Yossi? He's going basically down below the goal line. And so their coverage got a little mixed up there because, you know, those Predators defensemen are just so rare with what they can do. And so we'll see if they can do better against some mobile defensemen moving forward. But yes, you mentioned new guy Chandler Stevenson. Nothing like a Chandler in New York. Insert friends joke here. Uh, the Golden Knights picked him up from the Washington Capitals for a uh, fifth round pick. I believe a 2021 fifth round pick. Dave, you can correct me Correct. if I'm wrong. Yeah, correct. Okay. So basically it kind of throwaway pick because the Knights still have a ton of surplus picks from all the trades that they've made throughout these first couple of years. Kind of a throwaway pick for them for a kind of bottom six guy. He's played some center. He could play wing too, but he's filled in as a fourth line center Tuesday against the New Jersey Devils. He's not a big point producer. He had four points heading into last night's game. And of course, I say that and he scores in his debut. He was set up very, very well by Alex Tuck. Scored a goal. He was on the penalty kill right away. He was protecting a lead right away, which I thought was really notable. Jar Gallant felt really comfortable protecting a 4-3 lead late with a guy who you know hadn't practiced with the team basically before uh, they played because they didn't have a morning skate yesterday because it was a back-to-back. Uh, what did you think about him and his Knights debut, Dave, and why do you think the Golden Knights acquired him? Well, first off, I'll say everybody can get a, a sneak peek as far as the uh, end of the game stuff. Uh, last night, because I'll be writing about that for the uh, for the review journal. Hey, there you so go. Make sure to check that out. There's a quick little plug. Uh, but as far as you know, why they acquired him, what can he bring? I think it's twofold. Kevin McCrimmon, when we were talking to him, made it very clear that he's somebody that they've looked at, scouted. You know, had time for his game. I guess to use kind of a hockey phrase. You know, they, they like what he brings. Certainly, George McPhee is familiar with him. He drafted him while you know, while in Washington. And then Stevenson also played in the WHL. And as we've talked about, you know, plenty of WHL players from juniors that Kelly McCrimmon is familiar with, obviously from owning the Brandon Wheat Kings and, and his familiarity coaching and, and, and all sorts of stuff in that league for the last, you know, 20 plus years and, and what have you. So he's a guy that they've known about. He's a guy that I think they feel, you know, at least short term with, with Cody Eakin out, that he can give them, give them some depth. And then the other thing too, is obviously, you know, we don't know what's going on with Valentin Zikoff. Um, he's down in the minors, you know, he's working his way back, at least according to Kelly McCrimmon. So we'll see if he ever plays, but, but right now, I mean, the Knights don't have, you know, a lot of forward depth, especially at the bottom six right now. So for them to be able to, you know, I don't want to say take advantage of, Washington's kind of salary cap situation, but the fact that Stevenson was available, I mean, there were some reports that 
Washington basically, uh, Washington's up against the cap. They had to do something. It apparently came down to uh, Stevenson or Boyd. They kind of decided they were going to hold on to Boyd. Stevenson became available and, and the Knights pounced. So, you know, like you said, I think, you know, with short term without Eakin on the ice, it gives them another penalty killer. But I just think more than anything, it just gives them some depth. It gives them some, some flexibility, you know, in the bottom six. To if, you know, if somebody's not playing well, hey, you can play a wing. You know, you can scratch a guy. Um, it creates competition, all that sort of stuff. Um, he's got experience in the playoffs, obviously. Winning the cup with the with the caps, all those sorts of things. So there's a lot of intangibles, uh, you know, off the ice and, and you know, on the ice. Yeah, you're not going to get a lot of points and things like that. But it's also something that, that Kelly McCurman mentioned. Hey, maybe with a change of scenery, we think there's a little more in there that, that we can get out of them. So maybe there is a little bit more offense. Yeah, you mentioned that the off the ice stuff. Uh, he, of course, with his day with the Stanley Cup, visited the uh, city of Humboldt, which, of course, was a victim to the horrible bus crash from a few years ago, the Humboldt Broncos junior team. So really cool move by Chandler Stevenson to do that. Yeah, I mean, the Capitals are just up against the cap, so it really seemed like they had to get you know, rid of either him or you mentioned Travis Boyd, who's uh, 26 years old, former gopher. I actually covered him in college. Nice guy. Happy to have see him doing well. Um, but the fact that Boyd emerged means that the Golden Knights have picked up you know, a 25-year-old bottom six forward who can contribute a little bit. So we'll have to see kind of what role he plays moving forward. Cody Eakin is week-to-week right now with an injury, so Stevenson certainly feels like he's going to get some rope to make an impact the next couple games. Well, a couple yeah, more guys. Let me, let me just really quick, let me just jump in on Eakin because the week-to-week thing is, is intriguing to me, and it's something that I asked Kelly McCrimmon about. The reason I bring it up is because Everybody who saw the hit and clearly it looked like he got an elbow to the head. Well, if if we're going to speculate that it's a concussion, I I find it very interesting that they would label that week to week in the past and things like that. It's a concussion. That seems like a day-to-day injury. One of the things that I specifically asked Kelly McCrimmon about was whether this is an injury that has a specific timetable because you're, you're labeling it week to week. And, you know, he kind of said that, that, you know, one, that they don't expect it to be a season thing. But that too, once they get into it a little more, you know, they'll have an exactly. But yeah, basically they're saying that it, by, by, by listing him as week to week, that it's something more than just a minor injury. Now, clearly that could be a concussion, could be something else. But I just think, it, at least for, for folks who are speculating about whether it's a concussion, I, you know, the week to week thing sends up a little bit of an alarm for me, just because, like I said, I think, you know, concussion, I mean, if we're going to speculate, Alex Tuck took a high hit and missed a handful of games and was back and seems to be fine. Everybody's different, you know, concussions, everybody reacts to them in different ways and all sorts of stuff. So we'll see what happens with Cody Eakin, whether that is in fact the issue or if it is something else. But at least for right now, it doesn't seem like he's going to be back anytime, you know, at least in the immediate future. Yeah. And the ripple effect, at least short term is that, uh, you know, rookie Cody Glass is no longer playing right wing. He got moved to center and he's looked a little bit more comfortable there, you know, in the last couple of games. One guy who's definitely looked comfortable moving back to his natural position of right wing has been Alex Tuck. Uh, Tuck had two points in his first 10 games and he kind of, you know, was stopping and starting because he had a couple injuries early on in the season. Uh, now he has six points in his last three games. I mean, he's looking like the kind of bottom six contributor 
the Golden Knights have been looking for kind of all season. I mean, he's just looking like the guy who led them in points uh, heading into the trade deadline last year. He looks like kind of a rejuvenated player right now. 100%. I mean, and I've said, I think it was with you last week, or I don't remember, but I, I mentioned before that with all this tinkering that Jared Glant was doing before that, I thought the one thing that he could have or should have done was try Alex Tuck up in that top six. He didn't, and that's fine. And and I think right now the way that he's got him with, with Cody Glass seems to be working. Um, and I guess the other interesting thing, at least for me, is, you know, Will Carrier on that line and kind of the dimension that he brings and, and sort of what that trio, you know, presents for, for, for an opposing team. But I think, you know, I don't want to say that as Alex Tuck goes, the Knights go. But it's kind of close to that. You know what you're going to get out of their top six for the most part. And if you all of a sudden have a confident, consistent scoring threat on your third line, and I'm not saying that Alex Tuck is going to, you know, score six points in three games and, you know, average two points a game, you know, the whole rest of the season, whatever. But if you can get that out of him, boy, it just makes you so much better and so much deeper. And I think that that's maybe enough undervalued or overlooked aspect of this four game winning streak is, is kind of the depth scoring and especially what Alex Tuck has brought. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I mean, mentioned the top six, a guy who also contributed to at least yesterday's win was Jonathan Marsh. So we've got a natural hat trick, which for those who don't know him and he scored three straight goals in the game. So big night for Jonathan Marsh. So kind of needed it to get himself going. He's up to 22 points on the season. Uh, Derek England, dare I say, has actually been playing really well since this kind of switch was made. I think it helps him a lot because he, you know, is obviously a really smart player, really experienced player, not the fastest player. So chasing guys around the defensive zone is not his forte, but getting in a spot and kind of reading how, you know, opposing players are going to attack the Knights, I think is more to his speed. So that's been a big positive for the Knights. There's been a lot of positives for the Knights. They are on a four-game winning streak. They play the New York Islanders tomorrow as we're recording this Thursday to finish up a three game trip. Uh, Dave will be there. So make sure to follow him and at David Shane LVRJ for all your Golden Knights coverage. I am at Ben S. Goats on Twitter. You can find us at ReviewJournal.com. We are the Golden Edge podcast. Thanks again to SDN Sports Mobile from Station Casinos for sponsoring us. We try to hit you guys every week with a new episode, usually on Wednesday. So make sure to like, subscribe, do whatever you do with your various podcast apps, whether that's iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, etc. And we will talk to you again real soon. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.